Welcome to the Love, Sex and Freedom podcast. This is where you're going to discover how to bring awakening into the body and into everyday life through powerful tantric teachings. Get ready to release, open and step into your true power. Okay, welcome to day three, everyone. So let's, as usual, just take some time to arrive into the space so if everyone can close the eyes down and start by just noticing the breath as you inhale let the belly expand and your body expand and as you exhale just letting go of any thoughts into the earth, relaxing. Inhale, expand, exhale with a sigh. Just let go of your morning. Arriving fully here. And opening the eyes. So we'll open for any pressing questions while we're letting people in. So maybe letting two or three people. Are there any questions that have been brewing in the minds of curious souls as we're entering day three? And again, if you just put the hands up reaction. And it can be a personal question, it can be a question about the training, it can be a question about the content. This is a chance for you to get some individual attention that I'm sure your question is relevant to everyone else as well, if there are any. No questions. No questions. Okay. So today we're talking about what it means to be an embodied practitioner. So I want to start by saying that the thing that I notice most about coaches, healers, practitioners, and definitely I, I was I was in this place that I'm going to describe to you is as healers and coaches and practitioners are learning different things about themselves and different theories about wounding and patterns and trauma that actually the point of awakening and the point of embodiment and the core of embodying awakening gets lost in the mind's escape from being here. So all of the practices in the practitioner training, all of the practices that I teach are there to support us to be present in the body and to meet what's here, right? And then the paradox is that as people are deepening into the body and learning about different patterns they have, they end up embodying the antithesis 
of the training and of the teachings by over talking about everything and going into the mind with everything because that feels safer. And what this looks like is sharing every detail of every process with our partners and our friends or starting to coach our partners and our friends. And actually, this is just another way to avoid the intimacy of this moment that we find it so difficult to feel safe in. So an embodied practitioner is someone who is transmitting awakening through the body by no longer latching on to any beliefs or creeds or doctrines or theories and actually having an open mind and open space to whatever energy is meeting us, right? So when whenever you explore anything in life, right, any learning in life, part of what is natural to the human psyche is to go, okay, when I finish this study, when I am awakened, when I have the perfect relationship, when I earn this amount of money, when I get to this point, then I'm going to feel good. And most of the time, we don't even realize we're thinking that. It's unconscious. And the drive that we have to attain anything in life, whether it's something physical, financial, or energetic and relational, is so that we don't have to feel pain anymore. I'm going to meet this perfect man or woman who meets all of my needs and then I don't have to feel pain anymore. I'm going to get awakened so I don't have to feel pain anymore. Good luck with all of that. (laughs) Because the point of awakening when it's embodied is not to no longer feel pain. And, you know, a lot of the fields of teachings that I was immersed in pre-Tantra, which was more Vedanta-based and new age personal development based there were all these promises like you don't you don't have to feel your pain you don't have to feel pain you can feel peace all the time and you can just witness the pain body so what i say to that now is what a fucking load of bullshit if something happens to my child and they're in pain physical or emotional pain, I'm going to feel that. And I wouldn't want to not feel that. If I'm betrayed, if I'm disappointed, if I feel the harrowing wrench of darkness that naturally overcomes all of us when we've been really working towards something and everything falls apart. There's a natural pain to life that happens, right? And the point of awakening is not, is, is not to not feel pain. It's like it cuts spirituality off from humanity. However, it's not, just, it's not about feeling the pain 
and being in the, in the story of that. So there's there's two two differentiations here. One is a teaching that says you don't have to feel pain, you don't have to suffer. You know, it's like if if I put it extreme, if your child dies or your partner has cancer, you're going to suffer, you're going to feel pain, right? And if you just witness that, you're dissociating from the body, according to me, and you're bypassing humanity. What if that pain is part of our divinity and that we are divine no matter what and that if we actually meet things as part of the beauty and mystery of life, as a moment-to-moment experience, then what's happening is the next scenario, which is that we can meet what's here, but we're not in the chaos of meeting the story. We're in the beauty, actually, of the human experience, whether that human experience is really dark and difficult, whether that human experience is filled with desire, primal desire and sexuality, whether that human experience is very light and happy and blissful. Can we meet what's here now without resistance? That's the inquiry. The inquiry is not how do I stop feeling pain, but we live in this culture where, first of all, everyone's very spoiled, right? For me, Western culture. It's like, we don't get what we want and it's like, the worst day of our lives. Oh no, this has happened, that has happened. And now I feel pain and so the dream of my career is now the drama of it because not everything went according to my plan today. The dream of relationship is now the drama of relationship because not everything went according to my plan today. And I'm feeling pain and so someone has to be responsible for that. Or something has to be responsible for that, including myself. You know, I've done something wrong. Someone else has done something wrong. There is a discomfort within me. I don't know what the fuck to do with it. So I'm going to try to find a solution to it with my mind. I'm going to try to find someone else responsible for it with my mind. I'm going to give up on what I'm doing, whether it's this relationship, this career, because I can't stand this pain, so I need to get away from it. So the embodied practitioner is a transmission of someone who is no longer resisting the human experience. And that's also pleasure, right? Because the level to which you can feel your pain is the level to which you can feel your pleasure. If you're closing off to pain, you're closing off to pleasure, you're closing off to the human experience. And guess what? Pleasure is one of the best nervous system regulators. You know, there's the practice. The practices in Tantra of inquiry of meditation of expressing and releasing emotions and the adrenaline that I've been talking about and you know this morning there are a few things a few pieces turning 
within within the academy, things that needed sorting out and, you know, couldn't log in here, couldn't log in there, you know, just the typical problems that, that come up. And we were all navigating that. So I went to my room and meditated and then allowed the energy to move, had a shower, screamed and carried on in the shower and then sang a beautiful mantra that my amazing friend Tara taught me. And then I felt into my body. I'm like, what do I want right now? What do I need? What's going to just like bring me a lot of pleasure? Oh, an almond croissant and a coffee from the Wild Bakery. You know, I've just moved to Fremantle in Perth and it's like really amazing and edgy and all these great cafes. So Tisa and I went and he put Bob Marley on in the car and was singing along, picked up our coffee and croissant, went to the beach. So it's also not about getting stuck in your processes. It's like, okay, so, and, and depending on what's coming up, you know, sometimes you do need to spend a few hours with something or a whole day. But for the most part, the activations that happen within us become very quickly resolved when we cannot resist them, when we can surrender to what life is showing us. And surrender is the space that you feel when someone has embodied their awakening. When you're with them, it's not like they're telling you what to do or naturally someone who's embodied their awakening is going to challenge certain beliefs that you hold because a big part of awakening is dismantling beliefs that you've held on to. Usually they're going to do that more through their presence than what they say. And they're also just going to transmit someone who doesn't explain or complain, you know? It's like the amount of messages I see and threads on WhatsApp and posts and conversations of like, blah, 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 explain. My messages are very fucking short, you know, because, and, and I'm not saying I'm this perfectly embodied awakening person. However, I do feel a sense of centeredness and calm most of the time and capacity to be with what life is showing me, which means that I'm not having to go into the mind with a lot of stuff. Why isn't there a lot of stuff there anymore? Because everything that I'm bringing to you in the practitioner training, I've practiced for the last 20 years deeply. <laughs> and what is within this training is a series of practices and methodology that support you to work from the inside out, that bring you to a place of knowing yourself and feeling yourself and listening, deeply listening to what's underneath the surface of the story. And in that, we need to reparent ourselves. In that, we need to feel whole and complete in our aloneness not loneliness, aloneness. The aloneness of being with the breath, of tuning into our desires, of tuning into and feeling our pain. And sometimes our pain just needs our presence. And that's it. Sometimes it needs us to take action 
It's a recurring pain that's happening and it's saying, would you finally fucking set the boundaries with that person that you should have set a long time ago? Can you please speak your truth and say what you need here? Can you please get out of this job that is not in resonance with your soul? Can you please show up more fully as yourself? Whatever it is, there's messages and sometimes it's just like we stay present. We take a few deep breaths and it morphs. So in this surrender process and deep listening process, there's been lots of practices that have emerged for me and that I've, you know, partly heard and felt from other masters and then put it into my own methodology. But what's needed is a space of recognizing that sexuality is a path to awakening and part of the training is awakening your sexual essence and supporting others to do the same. Awakening your emotional essence and capacity to feel into yourself and help others do the same. So that when people are around you, they, they haven't walked away from a practitioner or a coach who's filled their mind with stuff and probably confused them even more, but walked away from someone who is fully themselves and taking in life and inspiring through the transmission of, okay, whatever's here, I'm in the aliveness of that without resistance. And recognizing and bringing your awareness to how attached you are to feeling good is the first step to embodying your awakening and being a transmission that people need. And you know what? You know that you're an embodied practitioner when people walk away and they feel better. And they're not feeling better because necessarily you've lifted them up, although maybe you have that because an embodied practitioner sees the soul and the power of everybody's uniqueness and has a way of bringing that out. But you've been around someone who is recognizing, feeling and allowing divinity to move through them because they're aware and have the embodied realization that I am divine and everything that I'm experiencing through my senses is divine and everyone I meet is divine and I'm on a hero's journey, not into this pathway where I know exactly what's going to happen. And I've got a five-year plan and a 10-year plan and a 15-year plan and I've got total control over my life. Because try to do that. Life's going to intervene. You have, a, you have destiny. There's, and remember my definition of God, grand organized design. Grand organized design has a plan. And if you can enter the hero's journey as, an, as a walk into the unknown, it's very different. So what I see is that people want this pathway where instead of walking into the mystery of a forest where they don't know what's, what is there and they're surrendering to it and they're excited and they're seeing the omens and the messengers and, you know, feeling what the mystery is showing them, they want cheering crowds. They want everyone's approval. I want to walk down a path of like, yeah, yeah, you did great. I like you. I love you. You're amazing. 
And that one people feel might feel amazing because you're pleasing them and because you're not rocking the boat too much and because you're being a good spiritual practitioner, smiling, you know, telling, telling them things that are going to help them. And then there is a life force that's more aligned with the feminine that is completely unpredictable, untamable, where there's not no cheering crowds other than the loving kindness that you give to yourself every fucking minute of the day by honoring your uniqueness and authenticity. So embodying your awakening and being a transmission of the change that needs to happen on the planet is to love what's here now. To express what's here now. And to not have a cap on certain things. I can show this, but I can't show that. Which we were talking about yesterday. So I want to take it to the next level now. And say... What if you had a practice of recognizing that everything that shows up in your life is a mirror of divinity giving you a reflection of your own soul And the people and events that you need to come into contact with. What what if there wasn't a fight, a war with reality? And that everything you chose, you chose fully instead of becoming a victim to it. And that you actually tune into your choices at a deeper level. What if when things didn't go according to plan, instead of being childish and throwing a tantrum, throwing your arms up in the air and making it a catastrophe and stressing over it, you were more childlike and curious and like, oh, okay, what's happening here? And, you know, the most enlightened people on the planet that I've met are very childlike, very curious, very alive, very expressive, very honest, very exploratory, very open in their capacity to sense into their environment. You know, the this morning when I was having my yummy croissant with Matisse, the conversations that we have are nothing like the conversations we used to have I used to have with other teachers that I was with. I've I've been partners with teachers since I was 30, spiritual teachers. And I look back at the conversations we used to have and it's like, oh, you know, I think that this part of my masculine is doing this and this part of my feminine is doing this. Oh, yeah, but when your feminine does that, my masculine, all this stuff, right? You know what we talked about? Pretty much nothing. Just like watch the waves, watch the sky, the birds and how the shape was changing how delicious the the cappuccino was, that this was the best almond croissant we've ever had and we were wondering if they have 
ones that are that good in Paris and when we're going to go to Paris together. So I've noticed in my own being that the more that I've embodied these teachings of inner union, of outer union, of practices that are entering into the vulnerability of the heart instead of the mind, of awakening all of the chakras, of clearing things that don't serve, of healing past trauma, all of this stuff that's in the training that you're going to learn if you if your soul feels called. All of that means that actually we become a relatively clear slate. We're in this process of death and rebirth where we're healing from the past. We stop obsessing about the future and we can be here now as openness in a much more deeply surrendered state to the joy of life. Like what's the point? Is the point to constantly learn? Is the point to get to some place where we're going to awaken? Is the point to spend our time with our partners and our friends theorizing? Now, one of, one of my mentors, Bruce Lyon, who's like, I've got anyone who knows him is like a God-forced in a human body. He's one of the guest teachers in the practitioner training. We have 12 amazing practitioners. And another one is Sarita, who spent 17 years with Osho. So yeah, there's lots of treats with the guest teachers. But Bruce, he really has this space of just like, you feel like you're with God. You feel like you're with the divine. And I can't remember where I was going with that. Tara, do you remember what I was saying before that? No. <laughs> okay. So let me, let me try and feel into it. Right. So part of my journey with Bruce was around learning that my masculine and my feminine were at war with each other. Right. And that, that's part, a lot of people's masculine and feminine are at war with each other. And part of the practices in the training is like dialoguing between those parts and really discovering. And because the unconscious is usually taking the driver's seat of your life, the only way to shift that and to live a life that's not clinging on to all of the beliefs that you've learned is to actually explore those parts in an embodied way where you're actually voicing them. And a huge turning point in my life was when I was in Bali and I couldn't get out. I couldn't get home to my kids. This is during COVID. I got rejected seven times from coming back into my own country. And I really, I really had to deal with a very tricky situation. And at the time it was like everyone in Bali was talking like the world was going to end and, you know, possibly we had to find somewhere where we could be completely self-sufficient. And there were lots of moving parts that were concerning, <laughs> to say the least. So I was definitely running adrenaline every day and coming into that parasympathetic after running the adrenaline and reassuring myself, you know, like trust the divine. This is happening for a reason. Breathing into it. Everything's going to be okay. And something had to shift within me. And whenever you're going through the dark night of the soul, which is sometimes the dark month, the dark year, the dark decade, 
obviously we don't want it to be the dark decade, but for some people it is that, you know, that's the reality that some people suffer enormously in life. And part of my gift to humanity through this training is that hopefully the practices in here are going to support people through those times to surrender into it so that it doesn't have to go for so long because it's our resistance that often will drag things out and our own critical voice and our incapacity to really listen to our body and then sometimes even become even more numb with drugs and addictions. So here I am in Bali. I don't have my kids. I can't run any retreats. And I was in, in the awareness space just watching and going, wow, my life has been very consumed with the doing. And the doing is the patriarchal masculine performance goal-oriented world that modern Western culture lives in. And, you know, Jung and his, his teacher, Freud, they talk about the collective unconscious and the personal unconscious. And the collective unconscious on the planet is basically telling you that your value is how much people will like you and approve you, how much status you have and how much money you have. It's all performance-based. And even though I've worked, I've worked with that a lot, I, in this place where I couldn't really do anything about my situation, I couldn't really do anything that I was used to doing. It's like we had nine retreats planned all around the world that suddenly just couldn't happen. I'd already been working on moving in away from that performance-oriented behavior and into a deeper space of moving from presence, but this really forced it. And I remember I did a one-month juice fast that really just, in a lot of ways, woke me the fuck up. Right? I was liver cleansing, juice fasting, and my awareness just kept peeking, peeking out. And I understood how much of my life was being taken up by doing things that would one day make me happy. Embodiment is about embracing happiness now. Does that mean you're always happy? No, but it means that whatever comes up in life we know that happiness is our birthright and the pain that we're feeling is part of the ebb and flow within that that is showing us what's out of alignment or that's showing us the fragility of the human condition and the, and the unpredictability of it. And actually there is this joy even in the pain when we're more occupied with what's here now and what's bringing me happiness now. So it's like, okay, we notice we feel uncomfortable, right? We feel into that. We don't resist that. And then naturally, when we're not trying to find a solution, when we're not trying to make someone else a solution, we just, we just want to 
love ourselves in that moment because that's actually what's bringing us happiness is to just say yes to that because resistance creates war. That's the nature of resistance. So maybe one day you have a plan and you're meant to be getting on a plane and going to Jamaica for a honeymoon, right? And something happens like COVID or torrential downpour or whatever and the flight gets cancelled and you don't know when you get to go. There's going to be some feelings there, right? Of disappointment, of grief. We can fight reality in that moment. We can clench against the sadness and disappointment we feel. Tell off the air hostess, get on the phone, rage at people, rage within ourselves, try to find a solution, cling on, become a victim of our situation, get drunk. Or we can breathe and go, fuck. But there's this trust somewhere. There's a trust in that experience, that life in that moment is showing us something. Who knows that maybe the real honeymoon is to be at home and find the sacred in the mundane. Or maybe three days in, and this happened to me once, I, I literally couldn't go somewhere and then my daughter came off her, or her horse and thank God I was home to be there. Everything happens for a reason, not in some love and light bullshit way, that's like, oh, yeah, but everything happens for a reason in a <sighs> willingness to dive into what's here now, to have no fucking idea why it's happening, but because we can be with it and we're surrendered to it, that the mystery reveals itself. And we're trusting into a flow of, we're trusting a flow of life that's greater than what we can control. And what that means is instead of trying to control people and events and circumstances to make ourselves feel safe, we feel safe naturally, even in conditions that would otherwise seem very unsafe, because we know that we are divine and that everything that's moving through life is divine including the situations, circumstances, events, and people who are in our life as a reflection, showing us divinity in darkness, in light. And, you know, part of this process when I was juice fasting and I was just peeking out one day and I was doing my, I was jumping on the rebounder and looking up at the sky and then I just stopped and sat on the rebounder and I made a very firm decision to myself in that moment. And I got accepted into Australia two days after this, finally, that I would stop fighting life and that I'm done with the push, with the trying to get somewhere. And over the coming months, so much came up in that. You know, what if I don't ever work and I've got no money when I'm in this state? You know, someone mentioned that the other day. 
what if my relationship can't work in this state because my partner's really ambitious? What if this, what if that? And I just had to keep surrendering and keep surrendering. And every time I've come to a point of my life where there has been some big awakening which has led to me desiring to carry a different posture, this particular posture was leaning right back, then as beliefs are dismantling, the old beliefs that created the reality I was in also start to dismantle that reality. Does that make sense? It's like your reality is based on your perceptions and beliefs. All of you, and, and it's like, you know, some people who attract a lot of drama and a lot of shit in their life and obstacles and this and that, it's not like they're consciously doing that. But life is reflecting to you what's happening in the unconscious. And what's happening in the unconscious is what your nervous system feels most safe with. So if your nervous system feels most safe with drama and chaos, then you're going to keep manifesting that. So part of the work is expanding the nervous system into a state of conscious surrender and allowing what's here now to be met, not in a way that we're bypassing and just witnessing our experience, but in a way where Shakti, the feminine force, is wildly here as she is. And the only thing that can hold that is a consciousness that is no longer judging something as right or wrong depending on whether or not you got what you wanted. The the war against what we're feeling is often linked to... is always linked to something that we didn't want to happen. Maybe I wanted the morning off this morning and then some messages came in and I couldn't have the morning off. I could have resisted that. I could have sent messages explaining it. and then, Or I could have just felt into it and gone, okay, met this experience, this feels important. Or just not responded. You know, I had a series of messages the other night that I didn't respond to. Choose your choice in life based on a deep listening of what's here now. And don't fucking explain yourself. You don't have to explain yourself. And if you make a choice, don't complain about it. Choose your choice. You want to choose a life of service? Choose your choice. You want to choose to hang out and relax and be in the sun every day in some tropical environment? Choose your choice. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to feel guilty about it. Choose your choices in life. And before you make choices, breathe into them and feel what's true for you. And part of this process is dismantling your belief structures. Whenever you feel yourself holding on to something, see if instead of holding on to that, you can open to the possibility of something else because that's true listening. That's how we listen to others. It's how we listen to ourselves with an openness to a new possibility, a mystery that we haven't considered yet. And when we are engaging with being a practitioner, relationships, nature, life in that way, 
There's no drama. There's still feelings, a lot of feelings, but there's no drama. And what's at the nucleus of every drama? A fight with what's here now. Why do we get so angry with our partners? Because they're doing something or not doing something that's making us feel a certain way. But guess what? The feeling is inside of you, right? So can you meet that? Can you step inside of that, of whatever you're feeling? And be with what's arising in you without having to run, without having to fight, without having to make, turn them into a savior or an enemy. Can you just be here with that? And what that takes is the inner marriage, which is such a huge thread of Tantra and of this practitioner training and embracing yourself as divine and everything that you're feeling as divine instead of thinking that you need to transcend any experience that's negative or not okay. And that takes a reparenting, which is also part of the training. It takes the capacity to be able to move with life shamanically and clear energy, which is also in the training and aligning chakras. You've got everything in this training that you need to embody your awakening and support other people to do the same. And yesterday I was talking about choosing something and sticking with it. It might not be this, but if your soul feels called to this, then my call to your power would be, can you surrender into this training and give it all you've got, study it properly, embody it fully and leave other methods for that year and see what it's like to really commit. You know, because the teacher who's the saviour, after three or four months of working with any good mentor, once you get to the nitty gritty of like really having to let go of the tight hold that you have on your beliefs. What once was this, if you don't want to let go, becomes this. And they become your enemy. Great, we've got another enemy. Don't want to do tantra anymore. Now I want to do breath work. And then maybe the same thing happens. Don't want to do breath work anymore. Maybe I'll do somatic therapy. Don't want to do that. And everyone's jumping here, there and everywhere. Can you commit to one body, one Tradition that gives you a framework for being able to really look at your shit. To being able to really hold yourself in places that you couldn't be held, in trauma that you've had in your life. You know, what this training does is it gives you the steps that you need and your clients the steps that they need to go back to frozen parts in time and give the body a chance to heal by finally being held in that with loving presence. And part of what I've been sharing is that the most profound methods are often the most simple and one of the most profound things you can ever do so remember we said breathe <laughs> that's always there is say yes to your experience instead of fighting it and then the magical thing that happens 
is that you open to the natural lessons that can arise from that and the natural organic flow of where life wants to take you. Now, part of all of this is that you, you can start to trust yourself because you have this capacity to dive in. You're being held in a container of that. Maybe you've even got a mentor who's holding you as well in that, helping you to see your blind spots. You're in a community of people who are all doing the same thing. And then what also emerges as you come to know yourself is a deeper connection to what your heart truly desires and the deeper longings that ruminate in your soul. And one of the big things that you're going to heal from in any training that has as its basis true transformation is the self-worth wound. Because 95% of the population don't feel worthy of the relationship that is their full vibrational match. Most people are not open to the career that is their full vibrational match. Why? Because we've learned to feel safe according to how much we can control our environment and the people and events who are in our environment. We have not learned how to, we have not learned how to feel safe to receive love and to receive money without drama in our ears and pleasure. What if you could have that reality? What if actually you cleared enough space in your being every day and through amazing practices that the main trajectory of your soul is in the direction of what brings you joy? And what if what brings you joy is your destiny? What, what, what do you love to do? What are you really passionate about? And then understanding that the discipline is shedding away whatever is not in your natural essence so that you can live according to your natural essence. And sexual energy or orgasmic energy is a beautiful way to shed what isn't in our natural essence. Because when sexual energy is taken from being a genital experience, which is Tantra takes it away from being a genital experience, to being a full body experience. And from that space, lovemaking is a meditation that connects us to God. Orgasmic energy is a healing path of releasing trauma out of the body. Eros leads to gnosis, Plato said, which basically means sexual energy leads to greater understanding because we're completely out of our out of mind. We're engaging with the creative life force on the planet that's responsible for keeping humanity going. This is the most miraculous energy on the planet. So does the training include practices to support people to ignite their sexual energy? Of course. Does it have practices to support couples to come into deep union where they're not just naked in the flesh, but they're naked in the soul 
and in the heart and they're worshipping each other and looking deeply into each other's eyes and sharing fantasies and desires that they never knew that they could share because there's so much shame around it. And any, I feel like any methodology that doesn't take into account that sexual energy and safety, which is in our base chakra, are so inextricably connected that sexual energy and the movement of that is going to lead to more safety is inherently erroneous. So in Tantra, we work a lot with the Sushumna Nadi, you know, this central channel of light at the front of the spine where Kundalini energy, sexual energy can move upward and flow into the creative life force that joins the form and the formless and creates. So awakening the emotional innocence and the sexual innocence within you and within your clients to me is absolutely essential. And, you know, the practice that I'm going to suggest today is can you see life as your greatest teacher even in the moments where your belief systems want to resist what's happening? The belief that anything should be a certain way, basically. And it doesn't mean that by being open to having your mind changed, that you don't have certainty in your body, actually the opposite. The more certainty you have about who you are, the more certainty you have about what's like being able to feel what's here now and speak your truth, the more open you'll be because that defensiveness that everyone has, a lot of people have, the protection that a lot of people have, what are you protecting? It's when, when I see people over-explaining, defending, protecting, I just feel like saying, why are you doing that to yourself? Because all it does is create this inner war. And then it's creating an outer war. And that doesn't mean we're putting up with things that aren't in resonance with us. Actually, the opposite. The more that you can just be open the more you can make an empowered choice from a clear space. And if you notice that something is creating ongoing suffering, like a relationship or like a career or lack of career, you can actually do something about it. And so many people are investing their time and money into the pattern, into whatever pattern they're running in their life that they're then investing time and money into because to, to try and, okay, I'll be happy when this happens. So I'm going to put my time and money into it. How about putting your time and money into believing in yourself? That whatever it is that feels aligned to you, whatever you feel called into, that's what you're going to put your time and money into. And that could be traveling for a year even though you've been conditioned to buy a house and pay off a mortgage and have a good retirement plan. That could be doing this practitioner training, even though you're not going to make a lot of money until you finished it. Can that be okay? 
unless you're already an established coach, then just more money will come in. Is it okay to invest your time and money into something that is meaningful and not based on your conditioning or an ambition of happiness in the future? Are you going to enjoy what you're choosing to put your time and money into? Do you enjoy what you're putting your time and money into? Do you actually feel fulfilled by what you put your time and money into? Or are you always putting your time and money into lots of different things, trying desperately to find a solution to the pain that you don't want to feel? And what if you were in a field of limitless possibilities where anything can be created and healed based on you believing in what the soul is most passionately drawn to? And if if I at different points in my life was buying into the collective and my own personal conditioning around what should be done and what shouldn't be done. I wouldn't have done hardly any of the things I've done. I would have stayed in my first marriage. I would have stayed in my second marriage. I wouldn't have moved on as quickly. I wouldn't have co-parented with my husband after we split up and everyone was talking about it. You know, two families living in the same house. He ended up with my ex-girlfriend, you know, there's been so many pieces that have gone against the grain of what's accepted in society. And all of those things have been really important parts of my journey that I look back on and go, thank God I followed my heart, even though at the time it seemed irrational, including when I left my corporate job and I was on a base wage of 150 grand plus commission, made no sense to me to quit and become a tantra practitioner at all but I had to believe in myself made no sense in you know the first few years of building the school that I was spending a lot more money than I was earning and investing but I kept believing in myself and there were times when I faltered and there will be times but can you believe in yourself and the only way you can believe in yourself truly is if you believe in your capacity to fully choose something no matter what And the only way you can fully choose something no matter what is to be okay with the pain that might come up in the process. Because what the mind is doing is projecting into the future of, well, if this doesn't work, this is going to happen, right? And that's part of not being attached to the outcome, of following the heart, of surrendering to life and not knowing what's going to happen next. You're jumping off a cliff while everyone else is in the cafe talking about jumping off the cliff drinking the same drink and eating the same food metaphorically that they've been drinking and eating all their life that causes them a tummy pain right again metaphorically we keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result talking about all of these new things that might change our life but never actually jumping off the cliff and doing something different because the nervous system It's freaking out. But if we know how to deal with the nervous system, then we can jump. And part of my passion in forming my own school was that in the liberation of the soul into deeper love and freedom, 
in a field of Tantra where you're really meeting your edges, where you're meeting the upper limit of your nervous system, where you're like, oh shit, you know, this is a bit scary. I have to get really intimate with myself and intimate with another. What that requires, I believe, is a safety that comes from integrative psychology and a trauma-informed way of working with the body and being able to teach people how to deeply listen to themselves and regulate their nervous system through pleasure, through being with what is, all of these different parts. There are so many parts. And please, if you're going to be a coach, if you're going to be a practitioner, with the great power that you have to impact other people's lives comes great responsibility. And you need to understand stress responses, which we've got a whole module dedicated to in the practitioner training, which weaves the whole thing in all of the practices that I teach. There's always a component of my deep understanding of the nervous system that's holding that practice within a safe field. Please know what you're doing, right? Whether it's this training or another training, whatever your art is, take at a bare minimum one year to embody it yourself and to learn it properly because you are responsible for the transformation in someone's life that is either going to just keep them in the perpetual state of trying to be someone else or which is stripping away whatever isn't who they really are and finding out what that is. And the way that all of these practices work is to bring out what's deep within them so that they can just keep being that lotus that's blossoming from the mud of their experience. And basically what you're doing is you're going for a walk with them into the temple of their greatest grievances, greatest challenges, greatest suffering, greatest pain, and you're taking a walk into the temple of their greatest desires and deepest longings of their soul and you're seeing those temples as equally beautiful. You're not trying to fix them. You're holding loving presence for all of that. And you're supporting them to heal in the temple of challenge. And that that is divine. And you're, you're supporting them to feel that. And you're loving them in that. And you're teaching them to love themselves in that. And then you're loving them in the temple of their desires and saying, yes. You deserve all of that. You are worthy of love. You are worthy of serenity. You are worthy of following your heart. And you are the beginning of a tribe that I am a part of that is a new generation of people who are changing the world one heart at a time by bringing loving presence to what is and saying, here we are, here we are. And isn't this human experience so fucking beautiful and difficult? And I'm here with you and for you in that. And we're together in that. And in the center of that togetherness is a spark of spirit, of aliveness that people are waiting for. <sighs> should probably stop it's time thank you all for listening 
Everyone just close your eyes for one minute. Let's just have one minute of breathing. Of receiving. And the invitation right now is to make a choice to end the inner war and the outer war. That plagues so much of our education system. to end the war with what is and to embrace a deeper level of surrender and trust and knowing that we've got what it takes, you've got what it takes. Thanks for listening to the Love, Sex and Freedom podcast. For more great free resources, in-person and online workshops and our retreats, find us on Instagram and Facebook at Embodied Awakening Academy or visit embodiedawakeningacademy.com. See you next time.